Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the Weekend Wrap uh, from Crowcast, brought to you tonight. Uh, oh, a little bit of a, uh, a mess, but we're, we're here and we're queer and, I don't know, we, I don't even know what I'm talking about, I'm Mickey, not. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You're uh, here, Mac is here, I'm here, but I really want a nap. Yeah, so did you go to the women's today, Nick? I did, but I've also been volunteering at Science Alive at Tonsley from early oh in the morning, so it's been a long day. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and how are you going, Mac? You, uh, did you watch the uh, the girls today? I watched the girls today, and uh, my feelings about this this particular game were the absolutely reverse of the one I watched on uh, Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's not surprising because, uh, and we will talk about it a little bit more in a minute, but they had a fantastic win today. The girls are really good to see and uh, comprehensively smashed Geelong. Uh, so you'll need to forgive me tonight, guys. I've got uh, graphics and shit going everywhere. So, And I, it's been a while since we've done the rap, so, uh, you know, who knows what the hell is going to happen, really. Uh, but why don't we get into... Uh, the scores round up, shall we? Oh, I've missed that song. It's been a while. <laughs> Maca, do you like that song? Oh, not too bad. It doesn't do anything much for me, though. <laughs> Whatever, mate. Uh, all yeah, right. I'm going to have one uh, in it, mate. Oh, well, I could play the rest of it if you like. Yeah, I like it with a bit of life and <laughs> Anyway, look, let's get through uh, the scores over the weekend. And uh, g'day to <laughs> J-Mac loves it, by the way, Mac. It loves that. Song. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not necessarily the the one to ask on those particular things. No, that's all right, mate. I just thought Mrs. Macker would keep you up to it. Uh, all right, let's get on with it. Uh, scores Thursday night. We had the season opener, the traditional season opener for whatever reason. Carlton v uh, Richmond, and uh, oh, Carlton made a pretty good fist of it, but Richmond in the end were uh, probably too classy. Uh, Getting up 14, 13, 97 to 9 goals, 10, 64. Margin there of 33 points. You guys watch that? I did. I did. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought that uh, um, Carlton, well, they're not going to finish bottom. They're definitely not going to finish bottom. They have got a, an, extra, an extra few players, and uh, I, I think they, they're probably going to win some. They could easily win six to eight games this year. They're going to have to do it in the first half of the season, Macca, and yeah. I can't see that happening. I agree. Well, you're right. You're, I, I, I'm not saying that uh, they're a Monty or a laydown, but if they keep all those players together and they keep improve, improving, they're, they're a chance. Yep. Uh, look, Harry McKay looked really good, I thought. Uh, seems to have progressed, um, but I agree with you. He Nick. was very good, Harry McKay. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Nick. I reckon they're going to have to get all their work done in the first half because they don't have a lot of depth, so... Uh, See how we go and there. Young players. 
bashed up bodies in the second half of the season. Yeah, not going to work. Exactly, yeah. Um, Friday night, we had the Cats getting up over Collingwood. Collingwood, I think, still a little bit underdone. And if I'd have thought of that when I put my tips in, because it happens every year that the grand finalists and the blokes, uh, the teams that go deep in September tend to start a little bit slowly. Cats getting up uh, by, what's that, seven points in the end, 72 to 65. I didn't actually watch that game. Uh, did you guys see it? Yeah. I actually watched the second half of that um, and seriously, Collingwood were making stupid decisions into their forward line. I actually thought they had the measure of Geelong, but um, then they would just make ridiculous decisions in their forward line. Great to see Jamie Elliott back. Yeah. Um, but but that's essentially what it was. I, I think Collingwood are a step above Geelong, but they need to tidy up their decision-making. Yeah. And yeah, whether try. that's... I was going to say, Nico, watch the whole game, and you're right, because they Collingwood dominated the first half of the game but didn't put it on the board, uh, kicked the points or waste the opportunity, um, and Geelong got it at the end uh, when it really, really matters. Um, and I think Collingwood are going to be a better side than Geelong, but uh, on the night, Geelong made the be- uh, most use of their opportunities. I think that's the best way to put it. But I think we were watching uh, a high, two... Uh, when we watched the Richmond Carlton game, we watched a potentially good team versus one which is going to be somewhere, and then uh, <laughs> these two teams are are going to be up there. Yeah, you probably. Oh, I don't know about Geelong. I don't. I know think they might be Geelong. a little bit better than most people think. I think yeah. um, they played some very good football. Depth, yeah, depth again. Uh, I mean, they've ve- they've got some very powerful players. Obviously, their midfield is um, you know fantastic, but. Depth again, Macca. They're going to have to have a good run with injuries, I think. Um, I think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, Saturday we had uh, the bloody power getting up over a disappointing Melbourne. Um, 12 goals, 15.87 to 9 goals, 7.61. A margin there of 26 points. Bloody hell. Jesus, Seriously? to say this, but they played... Look, they, they were the same as us. They got uh, jumped by uh, Melbourne and... I thought, you beauty, that'd get their asses kicked. But they played, they showed character. And as a team, they fought back as a team. And uh, they uh, just kept go at it. And, and their work rate was fantastic. That really was their work rate because they kept making errors as well. Um, and I can see in the chat, they make the point that Melbourne aren't fit yet. And that is definitely true. Uh, Melbourne has had... Uh, a very very poor preseason and a short one because of the fact shorter one because of the fact that they were in the finals, but and they've had a, a players coming back from injury, but uh, the power they were as fit as and uh, they were full of run and their young blokes did very well as well. So um, I still think that they will be struggling to make the eight, uh, but oh I hate to think I might be wrong though. <laughs> Do you see it, Nick? Uh, no. On the way to our game, oh, um, but yeah, and and the thing is, they do this though. They become the March and April premiers, and then they just fall in a heap. Yeah, one well, big thing though is Rockcliffe. Forty, you know, forty-four possessions. Um, yeah, but uh, it's not going to do that that often against a decent uh, other team. No, he looks like to me like Mickey, he's back. He's playing yeah, like the old Rockcliffe. He looked pretty fit to me. Uh, 
I only saw bits and pieces of it, but he looked pretty fit to me, and I don't think he was... Like, he's had that shoulder. He came over from Brisbane with that shoulder, and I think he struggled last year, but, jeez, he was running on top of the ground and uh, uh, maybe make a few people eat their words this season. Uh, Look, uh, the Bulldogs got up over Sydney in the end. Sydney made a pretty good comeback, but uh, the Bullies too good in the end, 14-16-82 to 9-11-65. They're a margin of 17 points. Yeah, managed to watch that one as well. Shit game, absolute shit game. That's all, I, <laughs> all I can say about it. But um, yeah, the the bulldogs just outguts them. That's all. I was watching a bit of the the Brisbane West Coast game, and every time I'd kind of flick over to that one, Sydney started to get a run back on, so I'd switch it back over so that they would start losing again. It seemed to work. So obviously, it was, it's all on me. <laughs> Yeah, PJ oh, sums yeah. up very well. He said the Bulldogs weren't that good and Swans were horrendous. And that's that's why I saw it. As I said, it was a shit match. Yeah. And all I wanted was the Swans to be bad because we've got to play them next week. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of the Brisbane game, Brisbane, I, I, I've actually picked Brisbane. I don't think they're going to be that bad this year. And West Coast coming off a grand final victory and a late start to the preseason and having to travel the uh, the breadth of the country. I didn't think they'd get up for this one, and they didn't. Uh, Brisbane getting up 102 to 58, so a margin there of 44 points. And looked pretty good, I thought. Charlie Cameron played all right. I saw the last if, quarter, you, and they ran over. It, yeah, but if you look at it up until halftime, it was a very close game. That's when then West Coast tired, and Brisbane got their run on in the second half. So that's the whole, the teams that went deep in September and the ones who have had longer preseason. I think that's a, a real class there. But I, I do agree with you. I, I think Brisbane are a, a bit on the rise. They'll be a little bit inconsistent every so often um, because they do very much rely on that run and gun. And if you can stop that, <coughs> then that'll go away towards um, beating them. But they'll, they'll, they'll do some nice runs against some sides. Yeah, um, but I, I don't think, think anybody's going to be taking them lightly. I think they'll be in the top half of the bottom eight, if that makes sense. Uh, Nine to 12, I reckon, this year. I reckon they're looking all right. Um, And then, obviously, uh, on Sunday, um, which is today, (laughs) St Kilda messing up my tips because I tipped the Suns and they just got up by a point. St Kilda, 85 to 84, 13-7 to 13-6. I don't even watch the yeah. game, but it annoys me anyway. Yeah, I watched it. It was a preview of the battle for the spoon, um, and uh, I, you know, at this stage, Gold Coast will probably get it. But uh, there wasn't much in the game, and uh, it's only their uh, lack of ability by Gold Coast to take uh, full of, uh, advantage of their opportunities, which cost them the game. Um, I watched Lacosius in particular. Um, yeah, he's. I mean. They're, the expectations of this kid are a bit too high at this stage. Uh, you know, he did okay, but he's not going to be a match winner at this stage. He's just he's a kid, uh, same as everybody Matt. else. He's a kid. He's a yeah. bloody kid trying to make his way in a man's world, um, and uh, that's going to take time. But I'd like to have him back in once he's developed a bit. Yeah, um, and probably the most disappointing result, um, well, in terms of expectations, I think, apart from ours, uh Essendon versus the Giants today. The Giants getting out comfortably by 72 points, uh, 16, 16 to five goals, 10. A margin there of uh, 72 points. Bloody hell. Yeah, 
Well, Giants are my second favourite team, by the way. Um, so I, I like watching the Giants. Um, you know, you've got some sheer brilliance amongst their players or sheer quality in terms of, well, Kelly not playing, but Cornelio, I, if I could have a player out of any other side, it'd be Cornelio because he does the lot. He does the hard ball, he makes the space, and he can take an overhead mark, he does the tackling, he does the whole lot. And uh, just watching him today, and Taranto on the rise to be another one like him, and uh, Whitfield running. Uh, they, well, they had no resistance. Essendon, Essendon were uh, remarkably pathetic, remarkably pathetic. And because uh, GWS had a few players out as well. Um, remarkably pathetic? Yes, because, I mean, there's pathetic and then there's remarkably <laughs> pathetic. And uh, Essendon were terrible, absolutely terrible. Seriously. I mean, if they played like that every week, they wouldn't win a game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, right. It's interesting. P- PJ Crows just said in the chat that there was the running distance covered, a stat differential. Essendon apparently just didn't try. Well, it looked like that, exactly how it looked. It looked, just looked like one team was just going to knock them out the way and they just put up token resistance. It was, as I said, they, they would, they'd they be struggling against Gold Coast and uh, St. Kilda if they played like that. And I'm sure they won't, but um, very, very poor game by them. And a good game by the Giants. Yeah, um, I still think the Giants are around the mark. I don't think they're going anywhere this year just yet. Uh, people are very quick to write them off. Uh, you know, obviously they keep losing players, but they've got such depth, it's ridiculous. Um, no, you can't write them off. No, I don't think so either, Mac. Um, look, so uh, uh, any any real surprises? I, I think probably maybe the Collingwood game was a bit of a surprise, I thought. Um, I didn't expect uh, Essendon to capitulate like they did, and obviously our result. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, anything else that, that jumped out at you? I don't think I did good on the Saturday tips. I can't remember. Oh, no, Saturday no, tips I did shocking. Overall, I did pretty shocking, I think. Yeah. I think there'll be I a few of us. I got the margin on Friday night. I think there'll be a few of us. I got the margin on Friday night. <laughs> anyway. Oh, go on, Mac. I was just going to say, <laughs> I didn't even get that. Nah, it's pretty disappointing. All right, let's uh, let's move on and talk about us, shall we? Better turn that off, otherwise YouTube will ban me. Um, uh, our result was so bad, I didn't even bloody put up the scores. <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell. Hey. West Coast to blow us. Yeah, well, that's great. It'd be interesting how everybody else feels about it, though, Fiend. But I, I, as once again, I felt betrayed by the club. Seriously, I did. Well, let, hang on, hold your fire, hold your fire. Let's just go through the formalities. Uh, Hawthorne getting up eighty-seven to fifty-five, a margin there of thirty-two points, um, and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know how you feel about it, but. You know, like in uh, 2017, I'm not agitated about it. Really. 2017, we looked like we are going to win a grand, uh, grand final. We rolled up the grand final and we let every the, the players, the club, the, the coaching staff, they just let everybody down, flat. 2018, we destroy our own chances. We didn't even wait for the, to get to grand final or anything like that. So then come to 2019 and we looked 
everything's got everything on hunky dory. It's all according to schedule. We've got no bloody injuries. Comes the day when we've actually got to prove that this is the case. We look, we don't turn up. We just go out there and play a very poor brand of football, overuse of the ball, bad use of the ball, and uh, the coaching staff are totally outcoached. I should, have, I thought we would bolt the game, and I should have known that Clarkson would uh, coach the pants off of us. And uh, uh, it's very key players let us down very badly as well with very poor games. And then to top it off, the one guy that was absolutely shining at the time in Dodo in the defence, he, uh, oh yeah, unfortunately in ACL and out for the year. And that's a that is a body blow because uh, he's a gun, a real gun, and we're gonna. Uh, and uh, everybody's favourite, Douglas, has got an ankle injury, and um, that might actually be a blessing in disguise because it might give opportunity to some of the younger lads as well. But um, there wasn't much to like about it from our point of view, in my opinion, anyhow. Just one interesting thing I actually thought of after the game, and we didn't take into account when we were talking about this um, coming into the game, we came up against a team that has been practising those new rules Longer than anyone else. Oh, come on, Nikki. Come on, Nikki. Don't even. No, no, just think about it. Hawthorne were actually, they were the test team. They were the ones who were using those new rules before anyone else because Clarkson was working with the umpiring department and stuff. Six months. I mean, we played played awful, but that's that's something we forgot about. Nikki, means bugger all. Let, let me go through some stats, um, please, people. Uh, disposals, 229 to 225 kicks, 211 to 143 handballs, which I think is rather telling. Uh, we had yep. the most disposals of any team for the round, 440 to 368, uh, but went at 69.5. Disposal efficiency, Hawthorne at 68.5. Uh, effective disposals, um, 306 to 252. It didn't uh, seem to me that uh, getting the agate was uh, much of an issue. It was <laughs> more about what we bloody did with it. Um, and uh, the most telling stat for mine is the amount of disposals it took for us to get a bloody scoring shot. 22 uh, disposals to 13 disposals per scoring shot and a whopping 62 disposals to 30 disposals per goal. Um, very telling and and tells the tale of our ball use or lack of it. Our kick-to-handball ratio was too low, uh, 1.09 kick-to-handball to Hawthorne, 1.57. We're obviously prepared to kick it a lot more than we were. Um, and look, I'll go through some graphics in a little while. And if for people that are listening, if you want to hook into Facebook or if you want to watch uh, this show on Facebook or YouTube later, you'll see some vision that I'll probably refer to. Uh, in a little while. Uh, look, around the ground, uh, 87 to 96 intercepts, uh, again telling of our turnovers. Our turnovers, 96 to 86. Uh, rebound 50s, 41 to 49. Inside 50s, 58 to 55. Um, they gained about 400 more metres than we did over the course of the match. Uh, another telling stat, 1% is 76 um, to Hawthorne, 56 to us and I think uh, Mac that really reflects the fact that they just wanted it a bit more oh, yeah I'd say that that's probably a fair comment but the usage of the ball was atrocious absolutely atrocious the, the there was many an occasion where one of our players had the ball and they could have used the ball by foot 
fairly quickly, but preferred to put handball to somebody in a slightly worse position, who then would handball to somebody else in a slightly worse position, and it, and a couple of times we would have two or the three of these handballs, and then have to do a blind kick or even turn the ball over. Um, yeah. And and the Channel Nine News uh, they showed some highlights or low lights from the game, and and one of the telling ones was uh, uh, there was uh, Walker. It was just come breaking from somewhere between uh, centre wing and half forward flank. He looks to the centre uh, where there's one of us and three of them, but he, that's where he kicks it. But if he'd actually looked straight ahead, there was a crow's blowout fire all on his own about 20 metres away, but he kicks it to where there's three to one. And uh, yep. that was probably just Tail the, of the pattern for the image. Yeah. The tape. Look, at the coalface, I thought we were good. Uh, we won the stoppages 27 to 20. We won the centre 12 to 10. Uh, but again, intensity lacking uh, tackles 57 to 74. 57 tackles in a game like that is disgraceful. It was a hard fought, close fought encounter. There wasn't a lot of free flowing football. You'd expect uh, tackling up around the 70 to 80 mark. Uh, 57 tackles is a disgrace and uh, you know reflective of the fact that we couldn't keep the ball in our forward 50 because we only laid seven tackles for the game inside forward 50 uh, versus 19 uh, for Hawthorne even though we had the ball in our forward 50 you know plenty of times so just a lack of intensity you know it's uh I, I don't understand how a team could actually come out with such a lack of intensity, Macca. Yeah, that's that's what I've been struggling with, and that's why I, I, I thought, as I said, once again they've betrayed us. Uh, and you know, we hang, we we play our membership, we hang around, we we idolise these guys, we wait all year for them to come out, and then they come out and do that. And you think to yourself, you've just done it to us again, and. Um, uh, if you read, if you look at the chat there, PJ's had quite a, a crack at the coaching staff, and quite rightly so. Uh, you know, really, you know, Hart was no good at the bloody back lines, and uh, they moved him in so they make him a bloody coach of the bloody forward lines. And I tell you what, our forward lines are a shambles since he's been uh, been a coach. Just going by that one particular game, um, and I know with one, there's a very there's a very massive ingredient missing, and. Uh, we talked. You had mentioned about Charlie Cameron before. Charlie Cameron missing, and there's another ingredient missing, which is the ability to take a, uh, an overhead mark. Take a freaking mark, well. Jesus. Yep, and, and that's McGovern. And so, our forward line at the moment is on it by name. It's good forward line, but in practice, it's not. Oh well, it's uh, no, no, no. I think they're overrated, Mac. I'm gonna. I'm going to. Uh, I don't know whether you two have access to uh, Facebook right now to our live feed, but I'm going to play some uh, some footage here. And the first thing that I want to talk about is our poor disposal. Um, our disposal was. I'm, I'm just running some footage here of of our ball use. Uh, the first one here uh, is coming out of our defence, and we've got uh, uh, just turning the ball over, and, and it was. At, something that happened the whole time um we just could not hit a target every time we tried to move the ball and i could see what we were trying to do in the first quarter we were trying to use the ball by foot uh, and they were putting pressure on us but we were just hat kicking around the corner the one there that i'm just showing right now rory sloan hat kicking out of a contest around a corner 
Um, you know, there are others hat kicking around corner. We'd kick to two in one, two on ones. They always seem to have an extra player. Uh, you know, German Impey. How many intercept marks did German Impey take, Mac? Well, I don't know, but he took a few. Too and bloody I'm, many. Yeah, too many. That's for certain. German um, bloody Impey. I know. I know. Um, I think the guy does have some talent, um, but um, he, he looks well. He had a very, very good game against us, and that's uh, a poor reflection on us because he doesn't normally play that well, anyhow. Yeah. But, um, I thought Gibbs was very poor, too. I thought very poor. Usage of the ball. Usage of the ball, quite, very poor. Absolutely shocking, I thought. Uh, and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where he was playing because at times it looked like we were sticking on a half-back flank, but I didn't think he, he, didn't, he was... Uh, I thought he was a weakness back there as well. Um, Smith, what... Smith's got a, a, a foot that can kick the ball 60 metres, and the number of times he handled the ball off and uh, or let somebody else take the ball, I was getting really angry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um... To, to me, the whole thing was all ass up. Well, the simple fact of the matter is that we couldn't handle the pressure. We tried to play chippy-chippy and we couldn't handle the pressure. We weren't running hard enough. Um, you know, the vision that's playing now, we've got the ball chipped into the middle here into at half-back. We've kicked it out onto the wing. Um, you know, there's no pressure on that on that player. Uh, Riley, this is the one in the first quarter where Riley Knight's got the ball on, on the outer wing and he's got uh, no pressure on him. He kicks down the line. Uh, he's very lucky that Tex has let out and then Tex has gone and done that stupid left footer straight to the, the hot spot at centre-half forward and it's been turned over. I mean, this is, this is our captain. Yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's uh, what I'm talking about. You know, and the, the next one again, this is one where Dougie got the high hit um, and, uh, you know, so Douglas has got a free kick, all well and good. You know, he's kicked the ball out onto the, onto the far wing again. We've got free space there. Um, uh, I think that's Riley Knight again, actually. And he's we eventually got the got the free pick, kick, but again he's kicked it to one player around three Hawthorne players. You know, the second quarter was exactly the same. Uh, you know, we Tommy Lynch has kicked the ball into Matty Crouch at centre half forward, and he's not confident from fifty or forty five to kick the ball. For goals, so he's gone and done that stupid pass to Rory Atkins, and it's only grubbed halfway. For goodness sake! I know. Yeah, I know. Gee. I mean, um, why yeah, didn't yeah. Matt Crouch go for goal? He's forty-five meters out. Yeah, no, I, I'm hundred percent with you on that. That was just another one of the examples. Um, but PJ, uh, who's obviously a very good analyst, analyst of the game, says if we go head to head with teams, we win. But if they have a specific shutdown plan, we don't win because we don't have our game style is not resilient or changeable. Now I'm quoting him directly there, but the point is right in the sense that um, if we're allowed to play the style of game that we want to play, well, I think we can beat any team in the competition. But um, when teams have a, a pre-game plan that doesn't allow us to get that game going at all. And then there is no, there doesn't seem to be an alternative. So, that, and that's that's how it looked like. We were at a loss. In the last few minutes of the game, it looks like we're, where we actually made a, a little bit of a, a charge, it looked like we threw everything out the window in terms of trying to be cute. And we just went bang direct down the centre of the, of the and we, that caused 
um, a little bit of chaos there for a little while. And that's how we should have played all game. But, yeah, but, know, Mac, we, we I mean, the game was done by then. Of course it was done by then. But it, it, it took them like uh, three quarters and 20 minutes of football before they suddenly, suddenly realised they had to do something a little bit different. In fact, um, they, uh, the, the runner actually held up a board with a piece of lightning on it to show uh, that's what they wanted some speed. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, finally. Well, I'm just going to show God. some. I'm just going to show some God footage God. now of our of our forward entries because our forward entries, particularly in the first half, were absolutely rank. They were just rank. You know, the first one in here. Uh, oh, gee, look, three against one against Jenkins, Jarman Impey. Um, this is all like a lot of it is in the first quarter. You know, the the ball gets kicked out uh, by Hawthorne. Source takes a really good contested mark, um, and then oh, I'll just chip it to the chop out guy. You know, no one was manning up on Hawthorne's third up. Okay, so the, here's one from Miller. Uh, we're going through the middle. Matty Crouch has got it. We're trying to chip our way. Oh, sorry, that's Gibbs. Chip our way through the zone. He goes out to the outer wing with Atkins. All good decisions so far. Uh, Matty Crouch again. And what does he do? He just grubs it straight to their third man up, to the chop out, once again. Every time we went into forward 50 in that first half, here's another one, Jake Kelly. Handballs it off to DMAC, back to Jake Kelly on the outer side, a little chip kick. Oh, who's there? The only, the only person that is there is Sicily, <laughs> yeah. the only person. Yeah. Next one, Tommy Lynch. You know, we again we're trying to work the ball through Hawthorne's zone by hand and foot, and in the first quarter and a half we're doing all right. You know, Richie Douglas takes a mark at half forward, about sixty out. We've worked our way into a position, but we're going so slowly into the forward fifty that everyone's manned up. And what? Let's see what Richard Douglas does. Oh, we'll just kick it to a two on one with Tex, and who chops it out? Sicily again. No one goes near him. It was just constant macker. Second quarter was no different. Matty Crouch pumping it into a two-on-one, a three-on-one, text three-on-one. You know, it was absolutely... Con- Here's a kick out. Um, you know, we've got the ball coming in. Uh, this is the one where Brody scrubbed it and Matty Crouch kicks it into the middle. We've got good good uh, run on. Tex kicks it out to the half-old flank on the on the member side. All looking good. Lynch has got it. A little chip kick to Atkins. He dances around. And what does he do? He scrubs it to Sloney, who's then forced to snap. And what turns into a, what was a set shot goal, turns into a snap for a rush behind. Yeah. I, you know, how many want, fucking want... goals did we actually cost ourselves? Here's another one in the third quarter. Miller coming out after a really good uh, contest. Uh, out to Atkins again. I don't know whether you're watching this, guys, but Betts on the wing, handball back to Atkins. He takes a bounce back to Betts. And look, watch Betts' kick. Oh, two on one again. No one's there. And who kicks it out? James Sicily. You know, and then it comes out to Keith. That same play comes out to Keith. Kicks it back in. Oh, who's that? Jarman MP to the chop out guy every freaking time, Macca. Every time, Nicky. Yeah, it was a lack of brain. Uh, and seriously, a lack of co- uh, good coaching, too, because um, 
they were allowed. Look, Clark, what Clarkson was doing is their wingers were dro- dropping straight back in there. Um, so you start off six six six, but it doesn't stay that way very long. Um, and they ended up with this, the spare man behind there all the time. And um, and it's basically their wingmen uh, get ready. As soon as they just go roaring into, into defence the minute the ball is bounced. Um, and we we just allowed them to set the pattern of the. Of the uh, uh, play and as PJ says, they have a ro- the rolling zone that just cuts us off, and so no matter where we're coming from, they just roll it across, and and we, just, as you say, we just kick it to them all the time. So, what uh, what they did, Macca, in my opinion, they a couple of things because in the first in the first half, I felt like we were trying to do the right thing, and if you watch, we actually played very similar to the way we played against Port in the JLT. We were using little chip diagonal kicks to try and get through their zone, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. It was it was the last kick going into the forward fifty that was killing us, and every time it killed us, our heads drop and our heads drop. Blokes stop running, blokes stop running, and by by the time we stopped running, what Hawthorne were then doing is instead of uh, allowing us to come through, they were just forcing us to go lateral. Every time we would go lateral, we would go side to side to side. And by the time we actually pushed the ball forward, they they had blokes behind the ball. Whereas if you watch, Hawthorne actually killed us on transition. And every time they got the ball on transition, they just went straight down the guts. And Hawthorne didn't play well, Mac. Hawthorne did not play well, but they had a good structure and Pike did not counter Clarkson's structure. At no point did we try to to man up that third down, down back. So we got continually chopped out. As as harsh as a cricket critic as I was of Tex uh, during the game, uh, whenever the ball was put on his head, he all, he was always up against two or three. Um, we never we never got even numbers up forward. We never tried to out, uh, to counter Clarkson's uh, setup, and we never got uh, consistent ball use through the middle into our forward fifty. No, well, actually, you, you stole my line in the sense about the way they structured their forward line was totally different. And um, what they what they did, they they had theirs uh, very well spread, so that when they did come out, there was somebody to give it to, uh, and and often out into the open as well. Um, whereas we have we have this lovely habit. I know they've had a loose man in defence, but on top of that, we have this lovely habit of congregating and making it a lot easier for him. So, uh, now, Nicky, you were at the good. game. What do you reckon? Oh, just so many stupid decisions. We, I mean, they they did such a Hawthorne. They play Adelaide Oval so well, I think, because it's that that narrow type of um, ground. So that zone of theirs works so much better. And I thought this was our absolute chance to really pick it apart. I agree. But they just, like the the Atkins we saw Ugh. in the GWS game was really great. He was hard at it. I don't know where that player went. He didn't lay a tackle for the game, Nick. In a, in a hard, close game, he and did he kept, not lay a tackle. Thinking, he kept thinking he had so much more time than he actually did. And as a result of that, um, Nicky, he did a lot of crap kicks. Yeah. Um, and, and it was those, those just those quick kicks out from a congested space and because they'd set up perfectly. And I'm sorry, Ben Hart, but I don't know what the fuck you were doing 
when you're telling our forwards to stand behind their defenders oh, when you're going up against Hawthorne. Oh, that's that's laziness. I'm going to roll some tape a little bit later of uh, Josh Jenkins, uh, who I actually thought was worst on. Um, because uh, yeah, he was close to it. And, and, and again, like that player we saw last year, he actually had a couple of opportunities yep. where he should have been going at the ball yep. and kept going at the ball. He might not have marked it. He didn't have the clear opportunity for a mark, but he should have impacted the contest and he stopped. Yep. I was like, what the hell? Because we had, we had, um, their, their chop out was playing quite deep. Um, so it was very much guarding the ball coming into around 30 metres out. Um, and Josh was playing up a fair bit and, uh, he'd never made a contest. Uh, look, the other, the one thing, the last piece of tape in this little section that I'll run is of our last quarter because shock horror despite the fact that we were playing like crap we were actually we were actually in it in the last quarter we were all over them and yet it was our senior players Maka, our senior players that let us down so first cap off the rank JJ gets a mark what 35 metres out on a 20 degree angle Mac not very difficult senior player needs to kick it doesn't make the distance I couldn't believe it. Doesn't make the distance. Could not believe it. Second one. We've chipped through. Jenkins has got it half forward. Handballs it on. A little chip kick to uh, Chief. It misses the target. Chief chips it into the middle. There we go. Richie Douglas, a club champion, 250-game player or whatever he is, hits the post. Like this is all within the first few minutes of the last quarter when we're still only like fifteen, twenty points down. Right? And yeah, at this stage we've got all the territory. Ball goes out of bounds on the full from some good pressure from Tex up forward on on Sicily. But interesting because you were talking about Sicily earlier about who was always doing those chop out marks. Yeah. We did fix that up in the second half. Well, the next the next one here, but we but we then didn't fix up the rest of the stuff, no. which was well, it was King Vigol, King Vigol, Nick Eddie Eddie's just missed one from twenty five meters oh. out. Yeah, you know, no. they're three senior blokes. You know, the next one we get it out of the middle. Sloney and Smithers combine with Crouch, kicks it out onto the flank. Tex takes the mark. Oh, I'll just try and be a hero from sixty five meters out when there's two blokes running into space in at. At fifty, kicks a point. You know, unforgivable, unforgivable kick out from Hawthorne. You know, we contest the mark. Smithers gets it, gets it back from Crouch, straight line for goal. Eh, misses to the right. No, oh, sorry, misses to the left. The These are our team. senior players. These are our senior players that are missing these chances and. You bet your life the senior players for Hawthorne don't miss those games. The last one here, when we've got oh, Miller, the first half. Miller kicking it to Sloan, straight I back missed. through, should have just kicked the goal, just about kicked it out on the full. We were in it the game in the last worse. forward. We were yeah, in the game in the last been. quarter. But it doesn't matter, Nick. We were in the game at yeah. the beginning of the last quarter and we missed six easy shots for goal and five of those six shots for goal were from senior players, and three of the five were from set shots. Set shots for goal from 30 to 35 metres out, senior players 
Josh, Ke- Josh, uh, sorry, Josh Jenkins, Eddie Betts, and Richard Douglas, and they all miss. And they didn't only just miss; they missed terribly. Well, I don't think anybody can dispute that. And the worst thing is, we were winning the midfield. Oh, I thought, in terms of midfield, we we did very well in the middle. Um, oh no, we weren't, Macca. We were doing very good forward of the ball, but. Their goals that they were getting, those ones in the last quarter, which really snuffed everything out, it was our lack of accountability on a two-way run um, from our midfielders. In the last quarter, Nick? In the last quarter? No, that was because we peppered the goal for about 10 minutes and got nothing from it and everyone dropped their heads. Uh, Absolutely. and, and they shouldn't drop their heads. <laughs> but that's that's human nature. That's what happens. If you continually get the ball forward and you get yourself yeah. into scoring chances, for set shots, Nicky, set shots within the 45-metre V in front of goals, senior players, Richard Douglas, Eddie Betts, Josh Jenkins. Jenkins didn't even make the bloody distance. And Richie Douglas and Eddie Betts couldn't kick the ball straight from 35 metres. If we kick two of those three goals and two of the ones that came up later, we actually win the game. But as a, And we win a game we shouldn't have won because at three-quarter time, the only way we were going to win that game was to win it ugly. And that's what this team has got to, got to start doing is finding ways to win games that they've been out of. And unfortunately, we just burnt it. Well, you just took the pretty much that was the quote I said to my dad when we were peppering and peppering into that um, forward area. Um, and I just basically said, we don't deserve to win this, but please do. Well, and... and the, one, the one thing that one thing that did piss me off a bit was watching it at the ground is we were doing those longer kicks and we were back to that bombing it into the forward line again. Chase Jones was doing some excellent, and he had the pace on his player, little short, the, the nice little lead-ups being ignored so much of the time. And it's like, he's there, lower your eyes. Basic football, lower your eyes. We were panicking. We could not cope with the pressure. And until we can rectify that, we're not going to get anywhere. You're dead right, Nick. You're dead right because watching the replay today and doing the little video snippets that I was doing, the one thing that was obvious to me was when we had the ball, Hawthorne were very quick to get in our face. They were, there was a lot of frontal pressure applied yep. by Hawthorne when we had the ball. And yet when they had the ball, uh, because they were far quick, quicker in transition, we weren't able to get that frontal pressure. And so they were able to play, you know, and let's I, I'll say it again, they didn't play great footy, Hawthorne, but what they were able to do was to be able to take advantage of our turnovers, whereas we weren't able to take advantage of their turnovers. Um, and we just kept burning it, whereas Hawthorne used it a little bit better than us and took their opportunities um, more than we did. We, we just yeah, didn't want it. We, we didn't want with the, you know, the overuse of handball. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run some tape of uh, Josh Jenkins, um, and Josh wasn't alone. I thought Tommy Lynch was terrible as well, apart from a little cameo halfway through the, the third. But Josh Jenkins, for mine is either going to... uh, Well, he's going to be the key between us winning and losing games because when Josh isn't on, when Josh is playing that soft brand of football, he gives us absolutely nothing. The first one I've shown is Luke Bruce 
kicking into uh, Jordan Ruffhead. Now, Ruffhead was one out with Tom today, but what you don't see in the vision, vision is JJ actually squibbing it out the back. The second, <laughs> he did. The second one is slowly kicking yeah. it into our forward line. And Josh Jenkins stopping when uh, Hardwick, I think it was, got in front of him. The next one, again, Sloan out of out of thing. Uh, Rory Laird in to think. Josh Jenkins playing three metres behind Danny Frawley uh, and not getting near it. Playing behind all bloody day, Josh Jenkins. Squibbing out the back all bloody day. The next one, Brad Crouch on the half-back flank. We're just chipping it around at this stage, trying to spread the Hawthorne defence. Um, this is one where Laird, he had to play on. Laird, he actually has not played well throughout just, the JLT, and he did not play well. Well, the thing is, Laird just kicked either. it to Laird, he just kicked it on Lockie Murphy's head. Josh Jenkins was coming over the top, actually squibbed out of the contest. And the last piece of vision that I'll show, which is that initial one, is the wide-angle view. You actually see Josh Jenkins running away from Jordan Rushhead rather than uh, pl- applying any pressure whatsoever. The difference is that they were prepared to go third man up and blokes like Josh Jenkins are not prepared to take any body contact whatsoever. And I know he had a decent season last year, Josh Jenkins, and I know he showed a little bit more um, agates, but... Uh, he's worried me during the preseason, and he played like absolute shit on the weekend. Yeah, well, you know, to me, I, I just think that um, I really wonder what PJ is saying at the moment that we don't have enough grunt to win a flag, and I agree with him. That's that's very obvious. We don't. No, I don't think that's true we, at all. No, but we don't put it out there one hundred percent of the game. No, I don't think that's true at all, Mac. I think we actually do have a lot of grunt if we pick them, right? But we keep picking squibs. We keep picking squibs. Yes, well, that's okay. I'll go along with it. Our inside midfielders played well. I think we have to include Fogarty up forward. Fogarty, because he could actually mark a football, uh, which is uh, Jenkins can't mark one overhead. Walkers can't mark one overhead. He can take one in front of his eyes if he's leading, but um, no, none of these none of these guys there can take an overhead mark. To me, Fogarty has to come in, and we have to, and, and restructure that forward line. You know, our, our midfield played very well. Our inside midfield, I should say, played very well. Yes, we got, we got plenty of contested ball. I don't think our system was great, but I think our system broke down because it was the second disposal out of congestion. Um, and our inability, our inability to break free of congestion. So instead of using the ball by hand or foot to break free of congestion, what we were doing is slamming it on the foot blindly. Riley Knight did it, Rory Sloan did it, Matty Crouch did it, Richie Douglas did it. A hundred examples of where uh, there wasn't enough cohesion um, once we actually extracted the ball from congestion. But I, I felt Matt Crouch and Brad Crouch played pretty well. Um, I, As felt, Sloan. I felt Sloaney was easily our best, easily our best. By more. Oh, um, with Keith. Well, no, yeah. Sloaney on his own. Keith, Keith was outstanding. Keith played very Sloan, well. Sloan was slow. Yeah, Sloan, Keith was excellent over all four quarters. Sloan was outstanding in that last quarter. He had a he good was game. Good. He, good. Was good. he was good throughout the rest of the game, but he did have some patches where he made some dumb decisions as well. 
But, um, I mean, for me, I just thought Keith was the one who made it not look so bad for us. Yeah, but if you go over the ball... He was really good over all four quarters. But if you compete for about 50 balls instead of about 11 or 12, you're going to make some errors, Nicky. No, I just thought Sloan was excellent in terms of putting his body on the line and working his arts off. And even if he didn't get the ball, if he ever got beaten, that was uh, that was not because he didn't give 100%. I, no, I'd love I agree to have with that. that. Oh, I'd love he's, to have he's, I think what, what his, his ratings numbers were incredibly high. Yeah, no, I think he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, look, I like Keith's game, don't get me wrong. I thought he was the best of our, our defence um, in terms of reliability. Um, but, uh, no, Sloan, Sloan by a country mile, I thought the two crouches were very, very good. Um, and then we start to get a little bit wobbly after that. Oh, Keith, then we get a bit wobbly. Yeah. Now, uh, Tommy Lynch was another one, uh, a big contender for um, Craptastic of the day. Uh, <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's unofficial. Um but the one thing that epitomised what Lynchy did, and I'm just going to run this piece of vision while we talk about it. How is I, I'm going to actually count how many games in a row Tom Lynch kicks at least one kick into the man on the mark. How how long does it take a professional AFL footballer to learn to get back off the mark? So that you don't kick into it. When he kicked into the mark in that third quarter, he, or in that last quarter, he didn't just kick into the man on the mark. He kicked it into his stomach. Like it was the worst. I don't know where he was trying to kick it to, but Tom has the 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 bad habit of of not. He's he's kicking the ball while he's still moving backwards off the mark. Mac, do you know what I mean? He like he doesn't actually exactly settle. Mean, his weight's he's going backwards. Got him He's not balanced for his kick, and he's not in the right position to take the kick. So, yeah, obviously, it's going to go, go there. But um, I, I thought Tommy did pretty much nothing all day. Uh, and, uh, you know, Cam, for those people who uh, listen to the Rev Up uh, on game day, and uh, thanks to your support for that one, um, Cam made the point that uh, Lynch might get a bit squeezed up with this new 666 rule. And I, I felt like he didn't have any room to move Lynch at all. Um, and was a bit at sea as a result. How'd you see that, Matt? Well, sorry, you just, uh, Mrs. Macca's bashing the, the pots and pans in the background. Come on, Mrs. Macca. You, you just distracted me there for a minute. Sorry, what was the question? Again? <laughs> I, I was saying... Leave him for, for Macca to do later on. Tommy Lynch looked like he didn't have a lot of room to move, and I wonder whether, like, my son made the point that maybe the 666 is going to hurt um, or not so much the 666, but the kick-out rule uh, and the higher zones is going to hurt Tommy Lynch in terms of how he operates. How, how did you see Tommy Lynch? Well, I didn't like his game very much at all. But then again, that was I don't think that was affected by the new rules at all. I think it was just affected by the fact that um, he, he just did not have a good game. You know, the, the, the kicking into uh, the man on the mark was just an example of that. I he does like he does like plenty of space to operate uh, because he's got that's his uh, aerobic capacity is his one weapon really and he hasn't got too many others um, and uh, I think that Hawthorne just made sure that that not just him but um, in our forward line that that wasn't available to the players so uh, uh, obviously he wasn't going to have a great influence 
he's, he's often linked man between uh, defence and the forward lines, but we just, as we kept bombing the ball in a lot of times too, um, and that you can't really blame Lynch for those, um, but uh, for bad choices been in the back lines. But no, I just think he was, uh, he didn't have a great game on in his own right, but I don't think he was given great opportunities either by his fellow teammates so, who made so many errors. I just think overall... Um, he was just another one of the villains that helped us lose the game. Nick, how did you see Tom's game? We've talked about this before, that um, he is so integral to our forward line structure and moving the quality ball to come into our forward line that when it's not going his way, he needs to work harder. He's, he's a great footballer. But as you've highlighted, Fane, there, he's got a couple of deficiencies. But for me, the biggest deficiency is when things aren't going his way, he's yet to find a way to then get back involved and to get it going his way. Um, And that was so we we had a little bit of a run on in the first quarter and he was doing some stuff. Then he disappeared. And Hawthorne get that run on. And, And that's the major problem with Tom that I... That I say, um, he's he's like you said, he's one of those senior players now. He's got great talent, but there's still some things that need working on. And yeah, well, Not the good. the the thing is that we've got three tall forwards, uh, Tex. Well, three players playing in tall forward roles: Tex, JJ, and Tommy Lynch. Tommy Lynch isn't a great contested mark. JJ is not a great contested mark, and Tex isn't a great contested mark. So essentially, None can take it over in mark. No, so essentially, we've got Tom Lynch who, play, who tends to play high and takes it on the lead. So if he gets chopped out, he, Tom's great asset is his uh, engine. Um, but when he's crammed for yeah. space, he becomes a bit ineffectual. Um, JJ uh, is a, is, in my opinion, a plays like a tall small. Uh, so for all his size and strength and, and all the rest of it, he is not uh, a tall player. He's not a key position forward. He plays on the deck a lot. And Tex does not uh, take uh, overhead marks comfortably. He's uh, obviously never recovered fully from his ACL. He always looks tentative yeah. when he when he goes up. He's, uh, he's yeah, a lead-up player as well. Hands. He really had some quite flat hands last um, Saturday afternoon night. Um, what One thing I did like to see from him, and, and that's something you and I have talked about, Fane, is he was jumping again. He was back, He was jumping, but it, he just couldn't quite take it. Yeah. My, um, my so point I, is... I think there's, there's that little bit to it. My, my point is, I guess, Nick, that... We have three very similar type players uh, in those yeah. three uh, tall roles, and PJ says you can't classify Lynchy as a tall. Well, the fact is he's playing playing one of those three tall spl- tall slots. Um, so I think changes need to be made. I, I don't think we can afford to have three essentially lead up forwards um, in the same forward line. It doesn't work. We've got no one to clunk a mark. We missing uh, McGovern. Uh, just to provide an aerial contest, you know, the amount of the amount of times yeah. balls got kicked to um, 
contested situations and our blokes were Lockie Murphy or Eddie Betts or, you know, Chase Jones or like a, a small to mid-sized forward who's supposed to be crumbing and yet our, our tall forwards were not in the area. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mess at the moment. It's an absolute mess. And I don't even know whether Darcy Fogarty is the answer because Darcy Fogarty, to my mind, is also a lead-up forward. I don't think he's no. terribly strong in contested marking situations, Macca. No, he's more likely to take an overhead mark than anything we've got out there at the moment. Yeah, but and, he's not uh, the answer in that position. He's not the answer. We well, need we um, need a, a marking forward up there. Well, yeah, but um, I when, when I'm getting, I, I think we have to change our forward structure because when we when we had this great forward structure that everybody said was the perfect mix, which and it was a very very good mix. And when we had McGovern, Jenkins really, as you say, is a tall, small. Um, and McGovern would take the screamers. Uh, anywhere down again would take a screamer, but also as, as a crummer. And you've got uh, Texas centre forward and um, Lynch as a lead up guy. But at the moment, we've got uh, Eddie and we've, we've got the other three, but we don't have the guy that can clunk that mark. Uh, you know, now and again, that which which we can win the game, which he did on an occasion in McGovern, and Charlie Cameron's pace. We don't have that 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 scintillating pace. Now Chase Jones, I believe, can develop into uh, the role that Charlie Cameron played, um, but we have to do something about the lack of being able to take a mark up forward. I don't think we're and, we're lacking for small forwards, Mac. We've got Stengel and uh, Ned McHenry and a couple of others that can can slot in small forward. What we're looking for is a, is a marking forward. We're looking for someone who, who enjoys taking contested marks, who enjoys getting into pack situations. I mean, for goodness sakes, Hawthorne uh, have a ruckman that took two contested marks up forward uh, one in the final quarter to seal the match, basically. And when you look at, um, and I can play that vision, actually, because you compare what um, Ben McAvoy did um, for uh, Hawthorne compared to Source, and I'll just play that vision where um, uh, Ben McAvoy takes the mark where it's kicked into the forward lines, and it was a knock, like it was just an innocuous kick to the top of the square, and when you actually look at Source's effort to outmark Ben McAvoy, um, and it shows on the replay, which I've highlighted in there, um, Ben McAvoy attacks the ball, attacks the ball. Source Jacobs has got soft hands, soft arms, soft body. He's bullied out of the contest. Unfortunately, we don't have anyone, anyone in our team, Macca and Nikki, who is a natural pack marker. Not one no, person. No, we don't. But uh, by the same token, I do think um, Greenwood, uh, when he comes back, uh, will will spend time up forward. And uh, yeah, I was can, actually going to say Green, Greenwood and, is and one who got, can. He has got good hands, um, and that's why I'd I'd rather see a forward line structure with uh, Fogarty at full forward um, and Greenwood in a pocket, one pocket, Eddie in the other pocket, and. And use uh, Jenkins as a tall half forward flanker. Make the guy run. He's he's got he's got good uh, he's got good running ability. Um, 
and let him run around and see if he can get a kick. Yeah, well, I'd be I'd be doing something else, Mac, I'd, and it would never happen. But I'd be dropping Jacobs um, and putting Jenkins in as first ruck and having Paul Hunter on the bench. Yeah, well, that won't happen, of course. No, but let's let's be honest. Jenkins needs to, Jenkins plays like a, a midfielder or a, a smaller player, a mid-sized player. So let's play him in that role. Let's play him in that role because he's he's absolutely useless at the moment. Source Jacobs is useless. I, I felt his tap work was very erratic uh, at times. He was hitting it to the wrong spots, and I, I didn't feel that he uh, dealt very well with McAvoy at all and Segler for that matter. Uh, to my yeah, well, to my mind, be... to my mind, Jacobs is done. Look, we we need a ruckman. We really do need a ruckman, and um, I don't I don't know where we're going to get one. But um, you know, at the end of this year, we should be offering as much money as we can to whatever ruckman we can get that's any good. Because um, Jacobs uh, is never going to take us to a flag. I don't think we we say this every year, Mac. Say this every year. Been saying for two or three years now. And when you look at the young lad, and nothing against Riley O'Brien, but I, I don't hold any hopes for Riley O'Brien because to me he looks like a source clone, and that's not how <laughs> the game is going. That we're looking at uh, uh, tall guys that are mobile and can have an impact around the ground, and I don't see Riley O'Brien being that type of player. No, certainly not. He's a, he's a very, very. I think he's a reasonably good uh, tap ruck really, and he's got very good aerobic capacity. But he, uh, he doesn't take a heap of marks and he doesn't get a heap of the ball. And when he got it, he, he just... Does, it. He actually does take a lot of marks in the SANFL, though, Macca. We're talking he, about uh, AFL. He, yeah, well, he hasn't really... He's played two games in the AFL. I can only judge by two. what I've seen, Nicky. Two games, two years ago. The thing is, though, Nick, he's what's the point... had developments since then. What's the point of the lad taking a mark up forward and then kicking it out on the full? Because let's face it, he can't kick. And I know he's improved his kicking, but under pressure, he hasn't got the technique to be reliable. So it, it, do, it doesn't matter whether he can he can go and take a mark up forward because he won't he won't be reliable. And under pressure, he will fail like hundreds of others in our team at the moment. Hundreds is stupid, but you know, tons of others in our team at the moment are failing under pressure, uh, I don't see Riley O'Brien as the answer. I would rather have Paul Hunter in there. Uh, Paul Hunter looks I, to me to be more of a natural footballer. Yeah, to to me he, he looks more like how Jenkins plays, but he's got a l- lot more aggression. Yep. I think just a bit more polish. I've always liked Hunter when a lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to get dropped, he's going to get dropped. And I was like, mm, don't think so. I think we'll definitely keep him on the list. Um, I, I think there's there's definitely something there to work with, and I agree with you. I would like to see him have a go to see what he can do at AFL level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't Paul, think it'll happen though. Paul Hanslip on um, uh, Facebook mentions um, Ben Davis, who apparently had a good trial. I didn't realise that uh, he had had a good trial. He, he's one that could uh, slot in. Uh, into that forward See, he line. plays he plays that Lynch role, and he does that quite well at the SNFL. But unlike Lynch, um, Davis has quite a nice leap on him and a good pair of hands. So he's one who's been known to. He might not take all the contested marks at SNFL level, um, but he definitely brings that ball to ground and he contests. And that leap hurts hurts players. 
um, when he can get it right. He's just had a really bad run with injury, so fingers crossed, keeps going. Yeah, so look, I mean, we could go on and on. Uh, Richard Douglas is another one, and, uh, and you know, you don't want anyone to be injured, but I don't think uh, we're going to miss too much uh, from yeah, Richie be being away. Five or six weeks, apparently. There's, uh, what is it, syndesmosis or whatever it is, a high ankle sprain, um, four to six weeks. Uh, all that is is uh, a good opportunity for someone who should have been picked in the first place to come in. <laughs> um, um, but just, just to take it away from us for a little bit, for those who want to keep up with the scores because there is a game currently going on, we're not as bad as North Melbourne. They're currently 82 points down to Frio. Yeah, but if North Melbourne are the measuring stick, we've got big problems. Um, oh, yeah, true. You know, uh, Richie Douglas did nothing, uh, as I highlighted before, missed uh, a very gettable and crucial shot at goal in the last quarter. Uh, uh, he's cooked. He's done. Uh, I don't believe he belongs in our best 22, and I'm, I'm struggling to understand why he gets a gig playing predominantly at half forward when we've got a bloke on the bench called Cameron ellis Yolman who is more consistent, yeah. can take a mark, and will kick a goal. And uses his body well. I actually think if either Cam or Greenwood were in that game, um, in a team on Saturday, I think it would have been slightly different. Just that physical presence those two have and their know-how. Um, I really was disappointed that Cam didn't make the team. Yeah, well, I, I, I do agree with you. Um, I, I think Douglas, is, he's 32 years of age now, for God's sake, and uh, the best... He hasn't played Douglas, well for four years. Well, the best of Douglas is well and, well and truly gone, um, and I was absolutely shocked to see him put into the leadership group. Um, that I just don't get at all. Um, but then once he was put into the leadership group, I thought, we are going to be stuck with this bugger getting picked all year now because he's in the leadership group. Um, and sure enough, he's picked first up. But uh, uh, no, I think his injury will, will prove to be long-term a blessing in disguise because at least you know, other blokes who can possibly improve and can possibly contribute something to the team will get at least get a go, a go now. I, I want blokes that will stand up under pressure and Richard Douglas is not one that stands up under pressure. He never does. In fact, he literally doesn't stand up under pressure because out of everyone in our team, he's the one that tends to go to ground under pressure. Uh, you know, I, his time has passed and there's other players coming through and we understand that Jordan Gallucci uh, was a bit underdone as well, although I, he had a decent trial too, didn't he, Nick? No, he didn't. He, oh, didn't he? Um, that first, Yeah, that first trial game, he just looked a bit off the pace. No, 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 I mean the um, SNFL no, trial. There's one. There was one on Friday night. Oh, Nikki. Friday night. I haven't seen too many reports out of that. But if he has come back quite nicely there, then put him back in the team. I think he's one that Pike's been very keen to have in our team because he provides that speed we need. Yes. And he also well, has tough beautiful as well. skills. He's he tough stays and he's over got the beautiful ball. skills on both sides of his body. Makes he's, good decisions. He stays over the ball. Uh, there was a couple of examples late last season where he got hit pretty hard while he was over the ball and he just didn't get knocked off the line. And for a, for a young lad to be able to take that sort of physical pressure and, and continue to deliver, I think he's got something. And I'd have him in the side every day of the week ahead of Douglas. Um, yeah. The... Um, 
I just want to quickly talk about Chase Jones uh, before we move on because I thought Chase uh, did well from limited opportunities um, and it was good to see him get uh, his first goal from his first kick, obviously. But one of Which the bits... Which didn't even make the highlights. Yeah, I know. Weird. But one of the... Uh, like he showed us he can tackle, um, but one of the things I want to talk about briefly is that bloody below-the-knees free that he gave away. Did you no, see? I hate that. Could you? I've hated it all weekend. There's been in every match. There's been several, and it's bullshit. The players are getting the ball, and some some turd just rolls over the top and it's, gets a free kick. It's running on face. It's running on the video at the moment, and I want to. What I want you to watch this little part of the replay. Um, uh, not this bit. Uh, it's the next bit where they show it from a different angle. Um, and there's two things that come to mind very quickly. Here it is now. First of all, he doesn't touch the Hawthorne player. The Hawthorne player actually falls over him. And the second thing is that the umpire actually called that free from behind Chase Jones. So the umpire couldn't actually see whether Chase hit or made any contact with the Hawthorne player because he was in the wrong spot. He was behind him. So it was actually the worst decision of the day for mine, and he was dead set stiff. And for me, what I don't like about that rule is that in that instance, if he, like, we'll just take the hypothetical. So if he did actually, we'll ignore the the the, the actual vision where he didn't touch it. But if he had of, he's the one who's making the play for the ball. He's Correct. actually going for the ball. That the other player is coming in with no intention of collecting that ball himself. If he is trying to get it, he's trying to do a kicking in danger. And they're saying it's it's to protect those players, you know, from knee injuries. If the player is the one that is putting themselves in that position, we have a rule like that already. If you force your head forward, you do not get that free kick. Um, And that is also, if you do it as part of it, you've got hold of the ball, um, you get a holding the ball against it. That needs to come in with this decision. If they are the ones trying to play for a free kick, not actively trying to get the ball themselves, then they should be penalised for doing so because they're trying to cause injury to themselves. It's a farcical rule because the it originated when Gary Rowan, when he was playing for Sydney, and somebody actually slid on a fairly That's wet right. day, slid in front of him. Uh, didn't dive for the ball, but sort of slid in front of him and took his legs. And uh, I don't really, can't remember whether he broke one or two legs out of it. Broke one. But, uh, yeah. And as a result of that, they brought in this rule and then have totally misinterpreted as these yeah. these lobotomy-ridden umpires uh, are prone to do. It's that no the, None of these players that have been pinged for this week were sliding. They were actually... Uh, on the ground, reaching for the ball. Now, well, and in Chase's not... case, Chase's case, he actually grabbed the ball. His hands were yeah, on the ball before the Hawthorne the guy ball. actually got there. Yeah. yeah. So it is. So they are misinterpreting the rule, and it is that is not what the rule says. And therefore, they are wrong. And as usual, they are bloody idiots. And unfortunately, if you t- if you complain to them, uh, they'll look at the vision and say, "Yes, that was correctly misinterpreted." Unfortunately, we've got umpires who aren't judged. Well, you know what it actually... That that vision um, that we just showed of uh, that 
free on Chase. The Hawthorne player actually reminded me of a soccer player. You know how when the soccer players get touched, they they uh, pretend as if they've been tripped and they sort of fall forward. Yep. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what well, it's exactly what the Hawthorne guy did, and the Hawthorne guy actually initiated the contact with Chase. Chase I got there first. The same way. Chase got there first. He had nothing but the ball. The Hawthorne guy could have jumped over Chase yep. because he got there second, but instead he chose to dive and drag his foot onto Chase and drew the free kick. And the umpire was not in the right position to actually call the free kick and, you know, the rest is history. So it, it's a. I don't think the players like the rule. I don't think it's actually been interpreted the way it was, in, like you said, Macker, it's not in the spirit. Um, it's there to stop people from sliding in, not going for the ball, but sliding in and taking blokes out. Um, and it needs to be looked at real quick. Yeah, Pendlebury spoke about it after the Collingwood Geelong game, and, and you know, because uh, uh, there were a couple given like that, and and he made the very same point. Well, the players feel the same as we do. It's wrong the way it's being interpreted by the umpires, as usual, is wrong. Yep. Anyway, look, final thoughts, and we'll move on. Uh, we've been going for a fair while on this one. I, I th- look, I think, uh, I, I think everyone shares my feel. I, I'm a bit shocked. To be honest, that we turned up some such a performance, I actually was a bit yeah. shocked. No, I felt betrayed. As I said, betrayed that they could come out and start a season like that, and uh, uh, you know everything they did was almost brainless. And we were told that we were in tip-top shape and everything would be perfect, hunky-dory. We've got rid of all the problems of last year, etc. And we come out and to put on a shit show like that. And uh, but the. But the coaching panel, they were in it on it too. They they, they, they they should have known that Clarkson was going to do what he did. Uh, look, I, I've got nothing to say about, other than the fact that I'm very, very disappointed with the playing staff for a lack of brains, and I'm very, very disappointed with our coaching staff for not being able to uh, adjust our game style in advance, knowing what how it's going to be and have, an, and have a plan B to get around it. In fact, our coaches actually come out and said that we do have a plan to go around. The players just didn't do it. Well, there's something missing then, isn't there? And well, I didn't, uh, I didn't see any change of tempo at any stage. Did you, Macca? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I don't didn't. know what the change is meant to be, but, uh, but according well, to Pipe, there, there was a plan if this was going to happen, what we should have been doing. Well, it was noticeable um, against GWS and the JLT too, where we, at times, we went forward uh, quickly and at times we played very much uh, a slow possession game. Did you notice that, Nick? Yeah. Yes. There was none of that me. against Hawthorne. Nope. So, anyhow, that's what Pike said, that there was an alternative plan, but uh, that it wasn't that the players didn't do it properly or didn't use it. Um, and, but, you know, they'll, they'll attend to that and then they've got another game in a few days' time and we'll move on to that. That's all his only comment was. So. Nick, what do you reckon? It's round one. It was shit, but it's still round one. So for me, we have to wait and see whether this is a symptom um, or whether it can be rectified and this might be a slight aberration and we really needed that kick up the butt. Um, so Friday night's going to be very interesting because Sydney weren't good. So I'm not sure how much that will actually tell us. Yeah, but the only thing is, though, Nikki, um, uh, you're right, but 
deep down, you know you can't trust them. You just, you just, you just know that somewhere along the line they're going to let you down. So oh, even been... if we were to re- recover from this and get into a grand final, would you trust them to win it? We've been saying this now for three years, Macca, and I can hear Peter Jay uh, on Tuesday night already saying this is the oh, same, yeah, he's, he's gonna this tell is us the same stuff that has been dished up for the last three or four years, and it's dead set true. This is, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago to, calling for a squad overhaul um, on the basis that this squad wasn't going to win us a flag. Now, we, we've played some very good football in the ensuing two or three years, and we've played some very bad football, but... It's very rare that we've won a high-pressure game of football when we've had to. We have done it, but we've never done it consistently. We're not that kind of team. We don't have those kind of players. And it's the core group of senior players, as I highlighted earlier in that last quarter, when we had four or five senior players uh, with opportunities to kick goals to, to hand us an unlikely victory... Um, and none of them stood up. Not one of them stood up, and that's indicative of how this this core group of players is. And Nikki, I know it's only round one, and I know we'll probably play very well at times during this year. Uh, I know that we'll still probably make the top eight, maybe the top four. But Macker is dead set right. You cannot trust this squad, and if at any stage we've got a game of high pressure football. I would be running to the bookies to back against us. Hawthorne were paying three. <laughs> Hawthorne were paying three dollars thirty to win that game. Three sixty-five. Yeah, I nearly, I nearly, I nearly took some actually. E- easy money, easy money, because we will never play a hard, honest style of football with the current players, and until the coaches realise it, we're just going to get the same inconsistency week in week out. Yep. Is that inch um, for me? I'm just thinking about it. Look. Because PJ Crow says it's our senior players, and yet one of our senior players is Sloan, and we talked him up, and we talked about his hardness and his never say die attitude. So you think you'd exempt him from that discussion? But remember Ogilvy talking about the new players coming in with Jones and McHenry, and saying to the squad, "You guys need these ones in the team now." You need to get them in that team. Um, and I wonder whether that's actually an understanding, particularly from Ogilvy, that what you've just said, Fiend, about some issues that what we need, and he's rectified it with these round one draft picks. Rory Atkins should be hung out to dry for not laying one tackle in a high-pressure game. Like It's just unforgivable. Even David McKay laid two or three tackles, you know, and the, the and we haven't talked about David at all, and I don't really want to belabor the point with David, but the simple fact is, why did we pick him? What what did he? What did the coaches and the selection panel think that he was going to bring to the table that an underdone Hugh Greenwood or an underdone Jordan Gallucci or a hungry debutant in Ned McHenry or Cameron Ellis Yeoman wouldn't bring to the team? What what qualities? What output is David going to bring? I can't answer you. Why do they pick him? Why do they pick him? 12 to 15 touches, uh, three or four turnovers, uh, a couple of really good efforts because he is an effort player and he does try hard. Not one of his possessions hurt Hawthorne, not one. And, you know, I know he was playing probably, Nick, I don't know whether you noticed, 
D-Mac was probably more on the wing, wing than halfback. Half he was wing and halfback because we'd lost Seedsman. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. lost Seedsman. He was always going to come in. Everybody was well, jumping no, up and he down. No, it didn't I have to come in, though. That's the we, thing. No, I'm sorry. Who, who else is going to play on the wing? Who else? Who else do we actually have in our squad that plays on the wing? Yeah. Why don't you play Wayne Miller on the wing? But then you've got to have a backman, so... Okay, so why don't you play Bryce, Bryce Gibbs at halfback? But we need speed out of the back lines because that's Miller that you've taken out of the back lines. Well, Would we've you got put Brody a slower Smith. player in for... But, yeah, but Smith and Miller are playing in the back lines together. Yeah, that's right. They could be hard to get in. Why wouldn't you play Jordan Gallucci on the wing? Well, because he he hadn't had a game in the SANFL. That was his first one. David McKay had a one crap SANFL trial, Nick. He played one more than Gallucci did. Gallucci didn't play that one. Gooch played JLT1. Nikki, Come on, Nicky! You cannot, you cannot no, defend. Yes, he did. did not play JLT one. Gooch, play, Gooch played one trial game. Yeah, all he I played can... the under twenty three trial game. Oh, that's he right, the twenty three half the game, and then he was out. Yeah. Nicky, I don't care who they brought in. It shouldn't have been David McKay. McKay. It doesn't matter. Don't dodge the McKay, point. Why, why did Nicky? Why did they pick David I McKay? Had, I actually had no problems with David McKay's game. I actually but, thought he was fine. Compared why? Because to he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything bad. He was actually attempting to make a run and break oh, lines, which geez. a lot of those other bloody players weren't. Smith, particularly. Look, the simple fact is that DMAC did nothing. He His, didn't do nothing. He did a lot more than many of those other players that are out there. And I'm sick to death of. I'm sorry, but I am sick to death of this shit. That gets labelled on him. He gets thrown around in that team. He comes in. He does his job. He doesn't get thrown he's around. He's been playing he's wing in. half back his whole career. But he goes in and he has to fill in for other players whilst they're off. He comes he, in. He does his job, and that's what he's supposed to do. Well, let's say we differ on Nicky. I'm I'm just sick of the shit that gets labelled at him. Oh, that's he ridiculous. Does not deserve it. That's actually ridiculous. Think, no, he does Nikki. not. It, Nicky, it's not you, at you, him, it's at, it's at the selection of him. Well, yeah, and that's not on him, so stop throwing that on him. Throw it at the selectors. Well, what do you think not I just him. said? Don't I said what, excuse me, excuse me, Nicky, I said. You said he did nothing. We yeah, said he which, shouldn't have been in the team, Nicky. That's right. That's You're, you are now misconstruing me, Nicky, so settle down because I said I don't understand why he was selected. That's and right. he did nothing. He, he didn't have any impact on the game whatsoever. So don't put words into my mouth that aren't there. No, I agree with Feed on that. Right, we need it. We can need we, it. Can we talk about some real footballers, please? Yeah, well, we got a few minutes. Um, look, the simple fact is, I don't think that the uh, as my final comment that. I don't think the players uh, put the plan in place, but I don't think the uh, coaches or the selectors did themselves any favours either. Um, Agree with that. Uh, you know, anyone wonder whether we actually suffered from the fact that we couldn't have runners on the field because we didn't act any stage, change our game plan during the game. Uh, we did try to pl- change the game plan once or twice, but um, uh, at, you know, after breaks. At no point during the game was any leadership shown to change up our style of play. We just played the same tempo the whole time. We tried the same things the whole time. There was no leadership out on the ground. 
So, uh, again, senior players letting us down, and, and DMAC is a 200-game player, probably a senior player. Um, all right, let's talk about the women, shall we? Nick, go ahead. Yeah, we probably should have started with them. <laughs> um, so did you see the game at all, Fanny? No, I was too busy setting up for this. No, I, I don't show it, Nicky. Yeah, Mackie did see it. Um, it kind of went the way I expected it to. A bit annoyed they scored in the end. Um, but Geelong were still um, have, now have done the, the lowest um, score in the AFLW in its three-year history. Um, and there was, a, yeah, one of those scores we still don't quite know what the decision was that, that resulted them getting um, a free apart from possibly pity. That team, you, you were right, Fiend, last week, that if they win the grand final, if they lose the grand final, it's 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 mostly on them. I mean, and Carlton, Carlton did give us a, they've got a nice fast running side. They can cause us problems. Um. But the the way we went about it today and dismantled Geelong, pressured them every single time. There was just textbook tackling that was superb. Um, I think this was one of the better umpiring games I've seen, although they still missed um, quite a few holding the balls and and some other things. But overall, it was pretty damn well umpired for the AFLW standard. The fact that Steve Lee didn't kick a goal and yet we scored 11 um, tells you just how good that forward line is. Can I make a, one particular point about that, though, Nikki? That forward line. Yeah. He is Clark, and you know, we were talking about our AF, AFL team. Um, that uh, Clark took over a team which um, mainly didn't perform last year because of injury um, with Phillips, etc., um, and was a premiership team the year before. But Clark hasn't been frightened to move those players around and put different players into the forward line to give it a forward line that is quick, fast, and you can put chaos balls in there, you can put orderly balls in there, you've got you've got people to kick to. In other words, Clark, has, he's changed the structure of that team, and I think he, that's what's lacking in our head grave. There's, there, we've stuck with the uh, same structure all the time, which isn't working, whereas Clark saw a structure that wasn't working with Perko there, took Perko out there, and, and he's moved the quick people from the back line into the forward line so that uh, our forward line is impossible to contain it can, because there's so many opportunists who will sweep on the ball. And they're also very hard at the the defensive side of it. Yes, um, because they come from defence originally. <laughs> Well, Ponta was a forward, but I do think it was probably the best thing for her was that they put her in defence for the first two games that she played at the AFLW level. So to know what a forward should be doing and, you know, just to kind of get the feel of the speed of the game and then switched her back into the forward line and she's blossomed beautifully there. I mean, we've got some highly, highly skilled players um, in that forward line with um, Ponta, Jones and Shear. And the good thing about Chloe Shear is we know she's not fit yet, but we can still, when Erin goes forward, she goes into the midfield and she's such a powerful body that, you know, trying to bring her mm-hmm. down um, and that, that skill level of just, you know, how easily she can 
kick a, a nice distance ball. I mean, Stevie Lee wasn't meant to be playing up forward, but she performed so well in the trial game. Um, and Rajik was supposed to be that kind of slot up forward. And they just kind of got swapped. I know Caven was quite keen on having Mariana Rajik actually play in defence because um, I think the the way that we talk about the forward line, but we don't talk about that back line. That back line is equally as brilliant. The the way they structure up, they're very happy to swap and change. Um, you know, they've got their positions and they've got that trust in each other and any chance they can get to get the ball in the hands of Sarah Allen, she just makes such good, calm decisions. Isn't she? Yeah, she's, I, was, uh, I was sitting here watching with Mrs Macker and I pointed out that particular point out that... Uh, how good Sarah Allen is once she's got the ball. We will have a uh, much longer chat about the AFLW on Tuesday night, uh, but we're heading up to the 90-minute mark, and that's uh, <laughs> my uh, limit. Uh, so, Nikki, how about we have a quick cop wumble, hey? Who you got? Oh, well, Hawthorne for that away, Guernsey. Because seriously, oh, can what, they come what up? About, what about the Bulldogs oh, for shocking. their Guernsey? Jeez. Oh, yeah, that one. Um, and talking about the Bulldogs, how about the Marvel Stadium surface? That was a bit uh, shit. Mm. Yeah, very poor. Uh, but uh, no, you can't. Hawthorne, normal Guernsey's worse than that, Nikki. No, that one was that one was not good. Um but I think probably for me, the winner overall would once again have to be the AFL for all the new rules that they implemented that was going to increase the scoring. We have had the lowest aggregate score for round one in 64 years in the AFL. Only three of the games had over 100 points. Most of them were well under. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, are your rules working? Really? Really? Well, I don't. Look, as, I, as uh, we've said before, the coaches aren't going to allow a free-flowing game of football. They're just not. No. And it doesn't matter what no. the AFL does, coaches aren't going to allow it. They, they do not want uh, free-flowing football. They want to be able to control the ball, control territory, um, and use the ball... Uh, on their on their own terms, so you know, happy to be free flowing when you get when you get a break, but it's not going to be end to end footy. There's we didn't I don't recall seeing any coast to coast stuff out of the the halfback situation. Uh, I think the six 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 rule has a marginal impact. Uh, I think that of of all the rules, I think that's the one that I probably least dislike. Um, I agree, but I agree with you, Nick. I think uh, you know. Certainly, at this early stage, it hasn't had the desired result, and um, probably worthwhile just leaving the game alone. Yeah. Well, I still dominate the AFL because I, I just can't. I, there's two rules I can't stand, which I think are insanity rules, and one is the where the player is, is uh, go for the ball on the ground, and some idiot run, runs in and trips over him and gets a free kick for it, and, and does it deliberately half the time. And the second one, which I didn't see one example of which uh, uh, the the potentially the fifty meter hundred meter rule. 
I mean, they're both stupidity. And only a, and I wish that uh, Gill and McLaughlin would worry about the proper things with football rather than trying to get a twilight game so he can get meat axe or meatloaf or whatever his name is to come back again and to do singing at a, at a... Come on, I mate. did that deliberately, mate. No, <laughs> no but... Um, so who do you reckon, Nick? Because Mac is just waffling AFL. on now. <laughs> Definitely the AFL. We, we love giving it to the AFL. Beautiful. Somebody needs to because God knows them. Journos. All right. Uh, well, look, uh, a pretty uh, feisty <laughs> weekend wrap for round one. I wasn't expecting uh, us to be talking about a result such as that, and I don't think many of us were, actually, to be honest. So nope. it's, uh, you know, nice to uh, dust the cobwebs off on this particular show. <laughs> um, look, thanks to everyone uh, who joined us on chat uh, tonight. Nearly 400 comments again. Fantastic. Thanks to those who watched on Facebook as well. Um, don't forget it'll be posted on Facebook and also on YouTube if you want to have a listen and a look uh, after the event. Um, thanks also to our Patreons, uh, patrons. We've got a couple of new ones today and, a, and a, a, a very nice donation from one in particular person as well um, who I won't name but uh, have corresponded with him uh, personally. So thank you very much for everyone who supports us via Patreon, everyone who supports us just by listening in um, and don't forget to share it with your Crows supporting mates and uh, we'd love to get our listeners up uh, by another couple of hundred again this season. So, look, thanks everyone. Uh, thanks, Nikki. Thanks, Maka, for joining us tonight and we will see you at 8.30 on Tuesday night for the wrap. Yep, good night all. Night all.